And so I hope you have a Bible this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew today. It's the very first book in the New Testament, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and, and find that. And we're going to begin in chapter 16 of Matthew. And we're going to look at several places through the Gospel of Matthew, and then we're going to end up in chapter 28, where we find Matthew's account of the resurrection. But while you're finding that in your Bible, I'm wondering if any of you might can identify with me this morning. How many of you have ever struggled with um, listening? <laughs> uh, that's something that I struggle with quite often. Uh, Kim, my wife, and I um, have been married for 21 years now. It'll be 22 years in June. And over that time, I have learned the importance of listening <laughs> in a marriage. And um, I have also learned that, that there is a great difference between listening and hearing. I hear almost everything, not always listening. And I'm wondering if any of you guys or ladies might identify with that with me as well. And I've also learned that Kim is really, really good, really, really good at knowing the difference between when I'm just hearing her and when I'm actually listening to her. Um, she will sometimes come to me and say, uh, hey, don't you remember that I told you this? Or she tells me something and, and I don't know. And I'm like, no, I don't remember you telling me that. that. And she says, well, uh, I told you here. Uh, like, here's the day. Here's what time it was. Here's where we were. Here's what you were wearing. Like, <laughs> every detail um, that I need her to recall of that moment when she told me something I was supposed to know. And I don't ever remember ever hearing that in my entire life. And young in our marriage, early in our marriage, I used to, uh, I used to try to argue that. I'd be like, no, I don't remember you ever telling me that. I don't think you told me that. I think you just think you told me and you really didn't. But I'll tell you, the further we go and the longer we've been married, I have learned a very important lesson that it is almost always true that if she tells me she told me something, she did. <laughs> and if I don't remember it, it's very likely because I wasn't listening. I may have heard her talking, but I wasn't listening to her. And, and you may have experienced that in your marriage, or maybe not even in your marriage, but in relationships with people. Somebody will be talking to you, and you're thinking about something else, or you're focused on something else, and you're, not, you're hearing them talk, but you're not really listening, and then they pull this on you. All of a sudden, in the middle of them talking, they kind of pick up that you're tuned out, and they stop and say, what did I just say? And then you are stuck. You have nothing because you have no idea what they just said because you were, you, you were thinking about something else. Your mind was wondering, and so, so they catch you. Um, maybe some of you know that feeling. Uh, I find myself in that place more often than I wish I did. But I want us to look this morning in Matthew's gospel, and there are three different places in Matthew's gospel where Jesus specifically tells his disciples that he is going to rise from the dead. But they don't seem to get it. They seem to have this moment where Jesus is talking to them, but they're not listening. 
three different times he tells them. But yet when we see the account of the resurrection and we see the, the reaction of his followers, they seem to be shocked. They seem to not understand what was happening. And so I want us to see that, that there, there was an intentional effort on Jesus' part to try to prepare them and show them what was going to happen. And I want us to look at their reaction, and then I want us to look at something in, in Matthew's story of the resurrection that is just one of those things. You know, every time we look at the story, a, a story like this that's so familiar, I always pray and ask God, show me something that I've missed. Show me something that, I, that I've never seen before. And, and this is kind of what he's shown me in this season of Easter, uh, in the middle of this pandemic. And I hope maybe uh, he will do the same thing with you this morning. So I want us to start in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start with verse 21. We're going to read verses 21 through 23. This is the first of those examples, okay? Verse 21 says, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. This is a fascinating conversation between Jesus and Peter. So, so let's go back and look in verse 21. There are four specific things that Jesus tells Peter have, that these things have to happen. These things have to occur for the plan of the Father to be accomplished. So look back at verse 21 with me. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples. So this tells us that, that even the accounts that are in the gospel these weren't the only times that Jesus tried to tell them he was going to rise from the grave. There are probably other times that aren't given account in the scripture. So from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to do four things. One, he says it's necessary for them to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city of sacrifice. This is where all the Jews would come and gather and bring their sacrifice annually to the temple. Um, this is the city where the Passover lamb was chosen and where it was given as sacrifice. And Jesus knew that he had to go to Jerusalem because he had to be that Passover lamb for us. And so the first thing is that he has to go to Jerusalem. The second thing is that he must suffer many things from the elders the chief priests and the scribes, all of them were in opposition to Jesus. And because of their opposition to Jesus, he knew that he was going to suffer at their hands. He knew that was part of the path that would lead him to the cross. And so he, they had to go to Jerusalem. He had to suffer at their hands. The third thing he says is that I have to be killed. And, and the Greek word that Jesus uses there be killed is not the formal word. It's not the word that describes a formal execution. 
This is a word, a Greek word for kill, that is used to describe straight-up murder. And Jesus says, I have to go and suffer at the hands of the religious leaders, and they have to murder me. They are going to murder me. And he's saying these things must happen. So that's one, two, and three. Those don't sound really great. And I'll explain in a minute why Peter responded the way he did to these things. But then the fourth thing that Jesus says has to happen is that he has to be raised the third day. There it is. Like that's the, that's the thing at the end. It's like not good, even more not good, really, really bad. And then all of a sudden, but he ends it by saying, but I will rise on the third day. That has to happen. So it's right there in black and white in chapter 16. Jesus is telling them, all these bad things have to happen, but I will rise from the grave. He tells them. So I want us to look now at verse 22 and look at Peter's response. Okay? Peter says, he took him, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Now, here's what seems to happen. Peter was listening to Jesus at the beginning. The disciples were listening. First thing he said, remember, I have to go to Jerusalem. Peter and the rest of the disciples are thinking, man, Jerusalem is where all the trouble is. Every time we are in Jerusalem, the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they cause trouble for us, Jesus. They are always trying to catch you. They've even tried to kill you. Why in the world do we want to go to Jerusalem? So, So here's what they're thinking. Jesus says we have to. We have to go to Jerusalem. And they go, that's not a good idea, Jesus. Why do we want to go there? Second, he says, not that they, like they've already heard, go to Jerusalem. That's bad. Then he says, I must suffer many things. So in just a few words, he goes from what could happen. They're thinking, well, if we go to Jerusalem, this is what could happen. So very immediately after, Jesus goes from saying, we're not just going to go to Jerusalem. That thing that you're worried might happen when we go to Jerusalem, it is going to happen. They're going to cause us trouble. I am going to have to suffer at their hand. And so it goes from bad to worse for Peter. So, so just imagine in these few seconds of these conversations that Jesus is having with them, how quickly their minds are moving. Peter goes from Jerusalem to how we're, we're going to suffer at the hands of... And then Jesus says... They're going to kill me. They're going to murder me. Here is where Peter stopped listening. Okay? This is where Peter and the disciples stopped listening. They are so upset at all these things Jesus is telling them that once he gets to murder, that they're going to murder me, like they stop listening. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they say something that just, that just, blows your mind and you didn't hear anything they said after that like you you're just fixated on that thing that's that's what's happening right here and and it's obvious that Peter didn't hear because look at his response here in verse 22 Peter looks at Jesus and goes no 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 that's not going to happen now why in the world would Peter if he heard Jesus say i will rise on the third day 
Why in the world would Peter look at Jesus and say, no, you're not going to do that? Like, that would be crazy. That's so much evidence of the fact that Peter didn't listen. He, he didn't hear that last part because he was so wrapped up in all of the concerns for the other things that Jesus had said had to happen. And you say, well, why didn't he hear that last part? And, and why was it that he was so caught up in those first three? I think there's a few reasons. One, I think it's because Jesus was Peter's dear friend. Peter loved Jesus. And when he heard Jesus say, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders and I'm going to die, Peter's response was, oh, no, you're not. Like, I'm not going to let that happen. You are, you are my friend. You are, you are the Messiah. But we'll get to that in a second. But this, I think the fact that Peter responds this way shows that Peter and Jesus had a deep, compassionate friendship with one another. Peter deeply cared about Jesus, and he didn't want that to happen. But not just his relationship with Jesus. I think the second reason is because he couldn't understand and he had never believed in a humiliated, abused, murdered Messiah. His idea of who Messiah was going to be and all the, the, the disciples' idea of who Messiah would be was very different than what Jesus was describing here. Messiah was not supposed to die at the hands of the religious leaders. Messiah was supposed to come in triumph, in victory, over all the Jews' oppressors, um, not to be murdered by them, not to have the Romans' hands be the ones to execute Jesus. And they're thinking of Jesus, they, they believe Jesus is Messiah, and they're thinking, how are you going to be Messiah? How are you going to come and bring the new kingdom if you're dead? There's no way. We can't let that happen. I think the other reason Peter responds this way in verse 22 is because he's scared for himself. He's afraid. They are so closely connected to Jesus that he knows whatever happens to you, it's probably going to happen to me. And it's probably going to happen to the rest of us. So... We can't let that happen. Peter had risen to kind of be the leader among those 12. And Peter was afraid. And he said, I, I, I'm, no, Jesus, this will never happen to you. Why in the world, if Peter had heard Jesus say, I'm going to rise on the third day, why would Peter tell him no? It's because Peter didn't hear that. Peter wasn't listening for that. He didn't, he, he, he shut down after die and he didn't hear any of the rest of it. Now, let's look at, at Jesus' response in verse 23, his response to Peter. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You go, wow, that is harsh. It is harsh. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns but human concerns. The reason Jesus was speaking so harshly to Peter right here is because Peter didn't realize it. He thought he was doing this, saying these things for the right reasons. 
But what Peter was saying to Jesus is, my way is better, Jesus. Like whatever this idea that you have of what has to happen, this idea of going to Jerusalem, that doesn't sound good. And intentionally putting yourself in a place where you're going to suffer at the hands of the, the religious leaders and then they're going to kill you and you know that's coming. Like that's not a good plan. I've got a better plan. I've got a better idea. And it involves none of that. Jesus wasn't just expressing, he knew that Peter wasn't just expressing his feelings. Jesus knew there was a, a moment of spiritual warfare going on in that moment. And it's the same kind of spiritual warfare that would go on later in the garden. Jesus addresses Peter as Satan, not because he's calling Peter Satan, but he knows that the words that are coming out of Peter's mouth are driven by the agenda of Satan to try to keep Jesus from accomplishing his mission. And there was a, a genuine temptation because of the humanness of Jesus. There would have been a temptation in his flesh to not endure what he knew had to be endured. It's very similar to the way Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus used the scriptures to combat that. And so when he hears Peter say, he knows, Jesus knows this is the plan, and he hears Peter say, no, you're, you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Stop using my friend Peter, as a tool to try to pull me away from the mission that the Father has called me to. And he says to Peter, you're thinking about your concerns. You're thinking about human concerns. You're thinking about the kind of kingdom that you want to build and that this plan isn't going to accomplish that. But you're not thinking about God's concerns. You're not, you're not focused on God's plan. And Jesus had to make sure he stayed focused on the plan of the Father throughout this entire walk to the cross. Jesus, is, like I said, it's the same thing that was happening in the garden. When Jesus prayed and asked the Father, is there any other way? Is there some other way that the mission can be accomplished without my human, human body, my, my, my humanity having to suffer this kind of torture? He knew. He knew what was ahead. And he asked the Father if there was another way. But yet he submitted to the plan. And he endured the cross. And, and Jesus knew he had to. And so when Peter says this, no, no, Jesus, you're not going to do this. It's like Jesus is saying, Peter, hush. <laughs> like, like, shut up, Peter. Quit. Don't say that. You don't get it. Uh, you can't see the things the way I see them. You're, you're not seeing things the way the Father sees them. You're seeing them the way the best you can see them. But the Father has said this is the plan and it has to happen this way. So, the disciples and Peter, when Jesus told them these four things, and he ended by telling them, I'm going to rise on the third day. They didn't hear it. If they had heard it, it would have been more bearable for them to endure 
all of those three things that came before it because they knew the end result would be his victory, his resurrection over death in the grave. But they missed it, and Peter missed it. Okay, this is in chapter 16. This isn't the only time they miss it. He does it again. I want to show you in chapter 17, just one chapter later, look at what it says in verse 22. As they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised up. And they were deeply distressed. Here it is again. The exact same thing has happened. Jesus has said, look, there are, there are some bad things that are going to happen, guys. There is, there's stuff that we're going to have to endure, that I'm going to have to endure for you. But on the third day, I will be raised up, Jesus says. And it says their response to that was deep distress. Why in the world would they be deeply distressed if Jesus had just said, I'm going to die, but on the third day, I'm going to come back to life and I'm going to return. They wouldn't have been deeply distressed. You know why they were deeply distressed? Likely because they didn't hear that last part again. So here's the second time in just the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus tells them this is coming. This is what's going to happen. He predicts his resurrection from the grave a second time there. And then there's one other one. Let's move to chapter 20 in Matthew. Let's read what it says, starting in verse 17. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles, meaning the Romans, to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. All right, there's where they stopped listening. But then the rest of verse 19 says, and on the third day, he will be raised. Talking about himself. There is the third time, three times in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells the disciples that he would die, but that he would rise from the grave. And he tells them on the third day, I will come out of the grave every time he tells them that. So why didn't they remember? Why is it that on this morning, those thousands of years ago, when the women went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away and Jesus' body not there, they were shocked. They were surprised and they ran back to the disciples, and even when they go back and tell the disciples this is what's happened, they're not so sure. And Peter and John, in the Gospel of John, John says that he and Peter ran to the tomb, and they had to walk in and see that he was not there. And John says that he, once he walked in and saw that, he believed. But Jesus told them. And he didn't just tell them once. He told them over and over and over, at least three times, that he was going to rise from the grave. 
So why were they so surprised? Because he told them all along this is what was going to happen. Now, let's go back to Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's account of what happens that morning, um, this, is, this is the thing that, that just jumped out at me. And this is the thing I hope you'll, you'll get and understand. And this tells us something great about Jesus that I think is going gonna, is gonna to fill us with hope this morning. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 7. This is after they arrive and they find the stone rolled away and the guards are, are like dead men. And there's an angel. There are angels there. And the angel tells the women, look at verse 5. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Look at this, verse 6. This is, this is it. Here it comes. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Look at verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. And then look at what the angel says. Listen, I have told you. Like, that blows my mind, y'all. In verse 6, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said. He said it over and over and over in throughout Matthew's gospel. And now at the end, the angel says, he told you all along. He's done exactly what he said he's going to do. The disciples had lost hope when Jesus was arrested, when he was murdered. When they took his dead body off that cross and they put him in that tomb that evening. To them, it was all over. But if they had been able to listen, if they had been able to understand that everything Jesus had told them was true, I wonder what Friday and Saturday would have been like for them had they heard, had they listened to everything Jesus had said. Everything had fallen apart for them in their life. Jesus was arrested. He was convicted. He was murdered. Most of the disciples at that point had scattered because they were afraid. I think if they had really heard Jesus' promise and had really been able to comprehend it, they wouldn't have scattered. They would have been waiting together expectantly over that Saturday. And they would have been waiting on Sunday morning to get there. And if they had heard Jesus and they had believed that what he was telling them was true, I think it would have been more than the women who was going to to check the tomb. And they maybe they wouldn't have even gone with spices to anoint his dead body because they thought he's not going to be dead because he said he's going to rise up out of the grave. And they would have all gone together to say, we want to experience this 
altogether. But they didn't hear it. They didn't, they didn't comprehend it. The hope that they had for who, for the kingdom that Jesus was going to bring, for who he was going to be, because they didn't hear, because they didn't listen to everything he said. They lost the hope of who he would be. But it was there. That hope was there all along. And Jesus was trying to give them that hope all along the way. It's not that hope was really gone. Hope had always been there. They just didn't see it. They just didn't know it. Jesus was trying all along to give them the hope to help them endure that bad time in their life. That dark time in the world. And I'm pretty sure that some of you this morning may be watching and you're thinking about Easter and some of you may be looking for some hope. Uh, the world right now is turned upside down. Uh, we have never, ever lived in a time like we live in right now. And there is so much uncertainty. And there's so many questions. And I know that there are some people, maybe some of you that are watching this video, who are wondering, what's going to happen to me if I get this virus? What's going to happen to me if I... If I die, it, it, you don't know. Because that hope of life beyond the grave is not anything that you have. But that hope's there. And what, what I want to tell you this morning is that that hope is very real and that it transcends all of the fear. That we have and that hope comes from a relationship with Jesus and even though you you've never grabbed hold of it and you've yet to experience it it doesn't mean it's not there it is there and what I want you to know is that Jesus through your entire life has been trying to reveal that hope to you all along just like he was trying to tell his disciples in this text it's there. It's real. And I have it, and I'm offering it to you. It's been there all along. The hope that you're looking for has been there all along your life. God has put people in your life. He's, he's put um, moments like this in your life where he has shown you, he's shown you the gospel. He's shown you how much he loves you. He's shown you what's been done. And the great thing about this story, what this, what this detail in Matthew's story tells us is that when Jesus tells us that something is going to happen, he's always going to follow through. And there'll be a moment in history when Jesus returns and he he gathers together his church and he pours out wrath on all sin and he makes everything new. He, he recreates everything and he restores everything back to the way it was supposed to be. 
and it will be one day just as he said. And you can have hope because of that. But there's got to be a moment where you listen to Jesus. He's been trying to show his, his grace and his love and his forgiveness to you over and over and over, and you've not listened. You've not heard. Maybe you've heard people talk about Jesus, but you've really not listened to his voice. Maybe this morning, because it's Easter, and you're imagining coming to that tomb, maybe for the first time in your life, you see that empty tomb and you realize, wow, it's been there all the time. God, you've been trying to reveal yourself to me all this time, and I've not listened. And maybe this morning is your empty tomb moment. The disciples, those women had to go and see that empty tomb before it made sense, before they understood that Jesus had told them this would happen all along. And maybe this morning is that moment for you, that you see for the first time that what Jesus has been trying to tell you all along is actually true. That it is just as he said before. And you want to embrace that. What more appropriate day to let Jesus resurrect your dead life than on the day that we celebrate his resurrection. The fact that he came up out of the grave, gave him power over sin and death, and it allowed him to reconcile us to God so that our dead lives could be resurrected new. We could be new creations if we surrender our life to him. If we, if we see his lordship and we surrender our lives to it and we ask his forgiveness. And we, and we don't just ask for our ticket to get to heaven, but we, but we give our whole life in return because Jesus did everything that had to be done for us to be reconciled back to God. And so if you're not a believer this morning, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that this morning might be the moment that you do that. And if you're a believer, if you're a part of the church, may this story encourage us to know and believe that what Jesus says is always true. And, and no matter what, we're going through this crazy time right now, but there is a hope that we have as believers to know that no matter what happens to us, because of this pandemic, because of anything, it doesn't matter what happens to us because what Jesus has said will always be true. And that we're gonna be okay. And there's no reason to be afraid, there's no reason to fear. Because it will always be just as he said it would be.